Hey, I'm Brett. And this is Aditi. And this is Full Stack Food, a show about food and innovation. And how to take over the world. Welcome to the show, everyone. Brett and Steph, do you guys eat certain foods for specific health purposes, like chicken soup when you're sick or taking turmeric or ginger shots when you're coming down with something? I think absolutely when I'm sick. I always think of chicken soup and saltine crackers. Mm, The good bone broth, right? It's very healing. I eat pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving. Does that count? (laughs) Or buffalo wings when you're sick, right? Or not sick? Yeah. Coconut water. I love coconut water, especially if I've had a few drinks. Like I I tend to think that coconut water, like a few glugs of coconut water before bed will help me not feel quite as bad the next day. Mm. Well, today we're having a super interesting discussion with the co-founder of Brightseed. It's a company that's using artificial intelligence to comb through the reams of data produced by powerful microscopes that find compounds in plants compounds that we haven't known about until now. And Sophia Elizondo tells us that we only know about a tiny fraction of the compounds that make up plants. The rest is dark matter, she calls it. And that brings us to the question of our episode, does the dark matter in plants matter? Our guest today says it does because Brightseed's platform is uncovering new medicinal benefits of common foods like pepper and cranberries that we didn't know about before. And many consumer packaged good companies are also taking notice of their work. Brightseed is working with some of them. Did anybody else have like a Star Wars moment there? Like come to the dark side, you know, like the <laughs> dark know. matter piece. And it's like, and maybe we need some new branding, you know, around dark matter. Yeah, just a random tangent that I my head. I thought out. it was actually a really smart branding to calling it dark matter, right, Steph? I like it. Makes it, it feel evil. I do think, you know, branding is at the heart of this of and communication of as new benefits of food are discovered. It's about telling that story of why mm-hmm that matters to consumers and and why consumers should eat more or less or even just the same amount keep maintaining their diet as is yeah based on this new scientific fact the whole food is healing movement right exactly and I think that that's like what's interesting to me about it is there are so many claims out there in the market already that there's in many cases, low consumer trust. You tell me that this is going to make my bones hurt less or my joints hurt less, or, you know, it's going to make me feel better when I'm sick and you don't know who to trust or what to trust. And so there's really room for a company to come in and establish a trusted brand where if they say this is going to help you, it actually is. Let's take a look at some of the hot topics trending in food and innovation from dark matter to the dark side of instant grocery delivery. We've been talking a ton about this space. And by instant delivery, we mean companies that bring you your items in 15 minutes or less. Now, some critics are bringing up some of the cost to cities of instant delivery. They argue that ultra-quick delivery will turn many neighborhood storefronts into micro-fulfillment centers which are sparsely staffed and closed to the public, and that urban life will become less dynamic and interactive and rich, resulting in a loss of community. Brett and Steph, what do you think of this argument, and will these considerations impact the funding going into this space? I don't know if it'll impact the funding because people are going to think there's big businesses to be built here, but I totally agree. I mean, it's also parallel to the restaurants space. And so part of the dark side of of meal delivery is that it's a 30% cut out of what the restaurants take. And one of the reasons that ghost kitchens, which which we've talked about in the past, are so popular is people can build a rest, quote unquote, restaurant brand 
without actually having a restaurant that you need to go to. You can just have a restaurant brand in a ghost kitchen and have the meal delivered from that. I do think it's also just a broader sociological question of what do all these changes, not only food delivery, but remote work and everything that can kind of come to your home on demand. How does that change what urban life looks like? in cities. Does it matter? Like if this is the path we're going on, does it matter? I don't know if it matters. I just think we're at an interesting inflection point because it's changing so fast due to the pandemic that we're seeing it at a different speed than we would have without that. Well, it's definitely a question worth exploring. Next, an Israeli Dutch vertical farming company called Future Crop has unveiled a new indoor farm in the Netherlands. It's nine stories high, fully automated and powered mostly by solar energy. Its CEO telling Food Navigator what makes them unique among vertical farms is that they use soil rather than liquids that most vertical farms use. The CEO says a substrate they use gives their crops more stability as they grow and also makes them more resistant to contamination. Brett, I know you have your skepticism about vertical farming. Do you think a shift back to soil could move the needle in the economics of vertical farming? No, I don't think it actually has anything to do with where my skepticism comes from for vertical farms. Even some of the reasons they give for why they're doing it, like less susceptible, whole part of the pitch of indoor farming is that it's less susceptible to issues. It's in a controlled environment and you can pull things in and out and monitor more closely. So to me, actually might take away from the vertical farm pitch a little bit because it adds another input, which adds more cost. And so I'm always back to the cost on it. One interesting thing, or I think it's interesting, is actually that I don't think a lot of people know is how that I believe, and somebody could fact check me out there, and I'm sure you will, that the Netherlands is the second largest net exporter of food in the world. And it's a really, really small country. And the reason is, is because they are so good at indoor agriculture. And so it's really impressive thing. And if you point to any country as far as who's really well developed in indoor ag, it's the Netherlands. And so just something to think about. According to the internet, you are correct. Yeah, it's a win that never happens. <laughs> Brett is fact-checked to be correct. Well, finally, musical artist Cardi B just launched Whip Shots, which is a vodka-infused dairy-free whipped cream. Cardi B developed the shelf-stable whipped cream in partnership with package goods maker Starcove Brands. You can get them in three flavors, vanilla, caramel, and mocha through the company website. Guys, would you buy Whip Shots, or does it feel like too much of a throwback to those Jello shot days? I think we should order some for the office right now. Well, Steph, I was going to say, you know, get on this and get us some samples. Why are we buying it? Like, let's get them some samples over here. We need an informed opinion, right? Exactly. How can we be expected to weigh in without trying it? I mean, like, it just feels like a different way to market something, right? Like, that's all it feels like to me. A different way to market delicious whipped cream. I'm in. (laughs) It also (laughs) feels like an opportunity that could be kind of perilous for parents, right? If their kids get in the wrong whipped cream. Just saying. <laughs> I recently, I don't know if you all did this, but like when I was growing up, occasionally my dad or mom would take like the whipped cream bottle and like squirt it right into my <laughs> mouth as like a treat. I've and I that. recently did that with my boys for the first time. And Jack's, my sons loved it. They're like, they thought it was the coolest thing in the world when I brought out the whipped cream can and just like filled up their mouth with whipped cream directly from the can. Fun stories from the Brawl household. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good one. I think the consensus is all whipped cream is good. Coming up, we're going to be talking to the co-founder of a company that's uncovering new nutritional benefits of common food items that you probably have in your pantry or fridge. Probably doesn't include whipped cream, though. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) 
A big theme in food innovation these days is the concept of food as healing. Bone broth, collagen, and turmeric are all foods that are billed to improve your health nowadays. Of course, the notion that what you put into your body can impact your well-being isn't exactly novel. Some of us eat chicken noodle soup when we have a cold or drink hot honey lemon tea to ease a sore throat. But with all that we do know about the healing properties of some foods, there is so much we don't know. That's the premise upon which our guest, Sofia Elizondo, co-founded Brightseed. The startup uses artificial intelligence to comb through reams of data generated by powerful microscopes that examine plants. And what Brightseed's technology is discovering is that your pantry can essentially be turned into a medicine cabinet. For instance, everyday items like coffee beans, black pepper, and cranberries have health benefits you probably don't know about. Consumer packaged goods companies are taking notice. Brightseed has partnerships with Danone and Ocean Spray and counts former PepsiCo chief Inder Nui as an advisor. Elizondo says her passion to shed light on what she calls the dark matter of plants comes from an early love for the natural world. I grew up in Monterey, Mexico. I think one of my fondest memories of my childhood was spending very long summers outside of the city in kind of a my grandparents like summer home with lots of nature and lots of animals and and it was and a lot of outside time. I think that's that was very healthy for me. Were you always into technology? Not at all. It's funny that I'm a tech entrepreneur. I think I was always into science was an area that was really interesting to me and another area that was very interesting to me was and especially as growing up or a little older was the intersection of society and business. I think like societal's most pressing challenges and how business can help address them. So not a tech kid, but I did I was surrounded by entrepreneurs and I think that had an impact. Were either of your parents entrepreneurs? One side of my family was in agriculture and the other side of my family was in chemicals. So I think Brightseed is a really interesting kind of combination of, of those two. I saw that you were a philosophy, politics, and economics major in undergrad. What prompted you to study that in college? It was a super fun major. And I think it's the theme is like the intersections of things that matter. Like how do we get organized to solve things that are, you know, core principles in ways that make economic sense. And that has been a theme throughout my career. What led you down this path of entrepreneurship? I know that you worked at, for instance, Boston Consulting Group right after college. That's right. You know, I I started my career as a management consultant. I think it was really great training ground. And from BCG, I then spent some time in the United Nations, which was super interesting. And I helped them work with the private sector to implement the sustainable development goals. I learned that the work that the UN does is incredibly important and that I, I'm probably better suited to be an entrepreneur than a than the UN delegate. After that was the emergence of food tech as a space and you know the theme of food as a uniting thread across agriculture, science and health is really, really powerful. And the the realization that we don't know enough about our food at the molecular level to make a difference in health. And so in 2017, I joined my other two co-founders, Jim Flatt and Lee Che, and we decided to start Brightseed. 
I find the work you're doing so fascinating. Would you be able to explain in the simplest way possible what Brightseed does? Yeah, for sure. Brightseed is a data company. And the kind of insight that we find is essentially about the deepest connections between plants and people. So when we look at plants, we know that they create several things like proteins and oils and sugars, but they also create natural plant compounds. And these are essentially phytonutrients or phytochemicals or phenolics. Some consumers call them adaptogens. Plant compounds are really important because they are the molecules that interact with human biology. When we, my favorite example is caffeine. You probably had a cup of coffee this morning. The reason why you did so is because it has a molecule that we call caffeine, and that molecule is bioactive. And when we put it or grind up the beans, have some water through them, we get a cup of coffee that has is rich in caffeine, and we feel alert and awake. This is the kind of impact that plant compounds can have in our bodies, the bioactive ones. And plants are full of these compounds. Imagine if that's what we feel from caffeine, from our brain, all of our organs are lighting up all of the time with all of the compounds that plants have and the impact they have in our bodies. So interesting. And I mean, taking it back even a notch, you were saying that there are these really powerful microscopes that are able to capture these compounds at the molecular level. Yeah, you know, when I tell people that we don't know that much about plants, folks are like confused. It's like, of course we know everything there is to know about plants all around us. What are you talking about? And the truth is that we do not have, science doesn't have microscopes that are powerful enough to see all of the plant compounds inside of a plant. It's a real problem and it's called the dark matter of the plant kingdom. We know the stuff is there, we just don't know what it does for you. And we don't know exactly know what the stuff is. So Brightseed, to solve this problem, we take the most powerful microscopes available and they're very high resolution mass specs. And we take all of the data from them and are able to use artificial intelligence to find patterns in that data so that we can actually see what these compounds are. And once we can see the compounds, we can then predict what they can do for our bodies. And that's the magic. I know that when we've talked about this before, you were saying that there are things that all of us have in our pantries, things like black pepper or in our refrigerator, like cranberries or raspberries, blueberries, those kinds of things. And of course, we know what some of those properties are, like blueberries are powerful antioxidants, right? But there's a lot more to them. Exactly right. I think that what I find most exciting about all of this is that we are surrounded by gold mines and we don't even know it. Or perhaps we know it by like anecdotally, right? Our grandmother may have said, you know, put all of these vegetables in your broth when you're feeling sick. And there is this like ancient wisdom around a lot of this. And ancient societies know a lot anecdotally as well. Traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda in India. Like I know that, for instance, black pepper is supposed to have healing properties. What have you learned through your data about black pepper? I'm feeling pretty good about black pepper. I love black pepper on things. I bet you have a good reason to feel really good about black pepper, but we are surrounded by really powerful compounds inside of everyday ingredients. And black pepper is one of them. You know, we found 
a bioactive compound in black pepper that wasn't studied before in literature for its effect on metabolic health. And we've shown preclinically that this compound can clear fat from the liver, which is a really important effect when we talk about overall metabolic health and all of the cascading negative effects that that can have, like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and obesity. What's the most interesting hidden compound that you found that people might not know about that has some sort of positive benefit to human health? The compound that we found that we're taking to market next year is the most interesting discovery that we have so far in a pipeline of discoveries. And this is why. Metabolic health is a two and a half trillion cost to the U.S. economy. 80% of Americans are metabolically unhealthy. And it's actually the reason why this country has had so many COVID complications, because our underlying health is not where it should be. You know, Dari Matsafarian, the dean of the School of Nutrition at Tufts, says that metabolic health is the slow pandemic underneath the very fast one of COVID. And identifying a bioactive that can have a positive impact on metabolic health is huge for the quality of life of millions of people. And the fact that we found it in the most humble of spices, like black pepper that we probably had sprinkled in our breakfast this morning or that we absolutely have in our pantry, that is really, really exciting. Because now that we know that it's there, we can make sure that we grow, process, harvest, and optimize our foods to maximize this content of the bioactive beneficial compound. How do you deal with some of like in this space, like the snake oil salesman like mentality of people claim make all different types of health claims of the different ingredients and some are true, some are false, some might depend on the ingredient itself, like what the efficacy is, like how does that affect you and how are you thinking about that? We take science very seriously and that starts from discovery all the way through clinical validation. What is the application for consumer packaged goods companies? How can they benefit from the knowledge that you've gained? I love that you asked that. And one of our partners that we announced this year, a big global agreement with Danone, is exactly on this question. Danone is one of the world's largest plant-based brands. They have a very expansive portfolio of plant-based products. They are also, by the way, North America's largest uh, B Corp, and they do great things for sustainability. Knowing what is in plants is the very first step to maximizing their impact for health. And with this collaboration with Danone is about understanding their plant sources that are at the heart of their packaged goods better than anyone else could to optimize their sourcing, their processing, and at the end, their delivery to a consumer that is also looking for health. Are they throwing away things or treating as waste things that you're realizing now that actually have some value? I can't specifically comment on the Danone relationship, but we absolutely see that. Waste streams that are full of compounds that are really, that we predict can have a very important impact on, on different kinds of health benefits. You know, we've talked about metabolic health, but it's also about cognition and joint health and focus, and memory, and sleep, and the list goes on and on. You also have a partnership with Ocean Spray that's brand new. Can you describe some of the learnings there? What do we not know about cranberries that you've learned? The first thing that we learned was not all cranberries are created equal. So when we analyzed Ocean Spray's cranberries, 
there are some really, really deep red ones, and there are some actually, you know, yellowish ones, which you wouldn't think is a cranberry. It is the variability that we see inside of different cranberries are is super exciting. The other thing we learned is that there are compounds in these cranberries that we predict can have an impact for cognition and that we predict can have an impact for immunity. I'm curious, like just digging a little bit deeper when you're talking about how different cranberries are made differently. And I'm curious how you deal with that, like the efficacy of an ingredient that's grown in India might be different from one grown in you know, Brazil versus one grown in the United States. And these huge enterprises like some of the ones that you're working with and some of the other big CPGs, the General Mills of the world, they're sourcing from all over the planet. And so if they want to make a, a health claim against their product, what do they have to put in place to be able to do that? If they bring in this new special cranberry, how do we know it's always that special cranberry that's going to help me? The first thing is standardized parameters. You know, we have parameters already for things like size or color or taste. And companies filter for these kinds of things all the time. Having a parameter for nutrient density or nutritional content is really important. And with the kind of visibility that Brightseed can bring, we can both define what that parameter needs to be and provide them the measuring stick, if you will, to be able to standardize for it. And playing off of Brett's question, you're giving these companies this data. What types of actions are they taking from that data? I mean, he mentioned the sourcing part. It could also, you could make an argument about, okay, it's informing them about growing conditions and things like that, or also things about supply chain of, you know, what they might be throwing away as waste, but, oh, wait, let's give it another look. So what kinds of decisions are they making? How are they changing things? What do you do with the insight now that you know that these bioactive compounds can have this benefit for health? First is, how do you grow it? Under what conditions do you maximize the expression of a bioactive compound that matters? Second is, how do you harvest it? Is it when you know, the berry is, or is green and early, or is it when the berry is mature and late? That has an impact. Third is processing. How do you process to maintain this nutrient density and not to kill it off? And I think that's a big problem we have now in packaged food. And finally, how do you extract it or concentrate it down if this applies to, for example, our ingredient or dietary supplement partners? And eventually, how do you communicate it with the consumer? So these are all across the journey levers that our partners pull. I'm curious about like, what is your big vision for Brightseed, right? Because you're everything you're saying, there's so many different things here. It's, you know, we're going to come out with your own product. You also are in some ways similar to like a traditional like seed company or input company where you're doing the research on seeds and inputs and, and then training farmers on how to grow it properly where you're not the actual one growing it. So there's a lot of different paths. Like what is like, how do you take over the world? It's a good orienting question, Brent. And and to be clear, we don't work with farmers, but we do understand the implications of the different growing conditions and, and harvesting techniques. At least we don't work with farmers yet. The big vision for Brightseed is to illuminate the connections that exist between plants and people. Ten years from now, when we know that Brightseed has been immensely successful, we will see the impact of it will be shown on the incidence on health. The lowering the incidence of chronic disease, increasing healthy health spans, not only lifespans, is the needle that it's our North Star. It's the needle that we're always looking to move. And to follow up on that, Sophia, so you're talking a lot about health. At what point do you start to think of yourself as not only a 
an ag or food tech company, but also a health tech company? And how do you think about measuring some of those health outcomes you're talking about? Yeah, we've actually had this conversation with many a, a team. Brightseed, we think of ourselves as a data company. We provide insight into the connections that the molecular connections between human biology and plant chemistry. The implication of that, the impact of that is health. And I guess another way of saying this is as emerging category creators, it is absolutely a par for the course to be in overlapping kind of industries or categories. Your advisors include everyone from former PepsiCo chief Indra Nui to former executives from General Mills and Abbott. What are your biggest learnings from them? I think two themes stand out. It's a really fun kind of position to be in, to be able to tap their, their collective wisdom. Number one is make it real. We are at our heart, we're a science company and we want to show up in the world of consumers. And so making it real and landing it in applications or examples like the bioactive compound that we found in black pepper that is actually relevant for your dad with diabetes is really powerful. The other thing we hear a lot from our advisors is keep up the standard on science. I think the scientific credibility that that we bring to the table is a very high standard, and that is something that is, won't be compromised. And thirdly, think about scale. Today, we're still a young company, and we need to think about what is the company that we will become in 10 years. And what is the company that you would like to become in 10 years? The company that promotes, that is able to drive health because we have indexed the world's plant compounds that can actually make a big difference for millions of you know, individuals around the world. Have you personally audited or edited your own pantry or refrigerator as a result of some of the knowledge you've gained from your technology? That is a really great question. I think the most impactful adjustment that I have made is increased my consumptions overall of all kinds of plant sources, because it is so clear that we are only at the very beginning of knowing the powerful things that these plants have. So that's my biggest adjustment and, and one I highly recommend. So the lightning round. You were only allowed one word answers. It's the pressure cooker of the podcast. We'll start off with the easy one, I think. How many hidden compounds are there in plants, approximately, that we might not know about out there? How many of them are there? Pick a number. 10 million. Ah, see, that was easy. See, we're off to a good start. Question number two. What's your favorite plant? Can I do question like 1.2? Why would the one word answers? Question number two. Question to you. Out of the 10 million, how many compounds do you think science knows about? I've never been asked the lightning round question. I'm, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, a hundred. A hundred thousand, which is, <sighs> which is a little more than a hundred, but still less than 1% of all of the compounds that are out there in the plant kingdom. I think we know more about the surface of Mars than we do about the compounds and the plants around us. Now, question number two. That Yeah, we are getting well away from our one-word answers. We're breaking the rules here. What's your favorite plant? Artichoke. Was not expecting artichoke. Steph, were you expecting artichoke? I don't think Steph was expecting not artichoke. on my list. All right. What is one food that we eat, and probably I eat it, that will never have any health benefits ever? Oreos. Oreos. <laughs> 
Steph was going Cheetos. That was her bet. I was thinking pizza. But there's oh, so pizza many. has health benefits. Yeah, no, you're fine. Yes. I've been saying that for years. Tomato sauce. It's all good. All right. Is every food company a health company? Whether they like it or not, every food company is a health company. Uh, sorry, one word answer. Yes. Thank you. Somebody's got to keep her in line. I'm not doing a very good job of it. Aditi, you might need to come back off mute and help us out. <laughs> one word answer. What's the hardest part of building a startup? Resilience. That's the hard part. Within 10 years, if we want it, we will all have a customized health food platform, health food prescription, if you will. Yes. What's one food everybody should have more of in their pantry or refrigerator? Oh, this is hard. I mean, can I go really general? Yeah. Plants? Oh, not that general. (laughs) Too general. Artichokes. Black pepper. That's two words. Black pepper. We should all have more black pepper. We'll flip it. What's one food that we should all have less of in our refrigerator and or pantry? And bonus, if it's something that we don't expect. Like we all know we probably should not have as many Oreos in our pantry and probably should not have as many Cheetos in our pantry. What's one thing that we probably might eat thinking it's healthy or is helpful to us from a health perspective and it isn't as helpful? Yeah. And like granola bars you think are healthy, they're actually full of of sugar so check those labels we're gonna have the granola bar industry coming after us at the end of this podcast that's all i got for you full stack food is brought to you by the techstars farm to fork accelerator techstars farm to fork is a mentorship driven accelerator program working with the startups that are focused on the food value chain from on farm to supply chain manufacturing all the way to the future of food retail we provide mentorship capital and a network that can help take your startup from where you are today and accelerate it to its next level if you're an early stage tech founder that has applications into the food system reach out today to learn more about our program here's this week's startup corner today i'm here with carl one of the two saucy boys and co-founder ceo of awesome sauce carl what's the problem that you're solving Brett, we're solving a sustainability problem. So in the sauce industry, it's a $130 billion industry, and there's no real way for consumers to not have single-use containers with the sauce that they consume. Yeah, every sauce I use at my house, that container gets recycled mostly, but you're right. It's just over and over and over again. Every ketchup bottle goes right in the recycling bin. How are you solving it? So my partner, I, Paul, has developed a powder-based sauce concept where a user would buy a reusable container, a high-end, nice reusable container, fill it with water, add the powder, and when they shake it up, it makes all the sauces they've come to know and love. How's it taste? Is it good? Great taste. It's made fresh, so we're not, we don't have all the preservatives that the typical sauces would have, and it's less waste. If it's a ketchup, is it the same texture and consistency? Is it like I'm eating ketchup? Yeah, the three things we're going at is one, the taste, the second would be the look, so making sure that it looks the same, and then the consistency is the same. Are you selling it to me? Are you selling through grocery stores? Are you selling to restaurants? Like what, like how do I get some of this? Yeah. So we're coming out to market direct to consumer. So e-com, eventually we want to get on shelves. What's the big vision here? How are you going to take over the world? We're really aiming at the big guys who are pumping out. I mean, the crazy numbers behind it in a $130 billion industry, there's an opportunity for one company to create one sauce in one year and produce 1 billion single use bottles. That's about 100 million pounds of of waste. And so our vision is hit direct to consumer as as hard as possible, build up that customer base, understand who we're serving, and then go on to retail shelves that they're already shopping at. So we create this omnipresent brand that they've come to know and trust. 
Today, I'm here with Mark, the CEO and founder of Ziskit. Mark, what's the pain point that you're solving with Ziskit? The pain point we're solving is that there are about 49 million people who are struggling to put more food on their plate, and they can't find enough savings fast enough to do so. You know, they're clipping coupons, they're making multiple stops, and they're only saving about 24 cents per shopping experience. How are you solving this? Well, the first way we're going to chip away at this problem is by giving them something they've never had, a grocery search engine. Think Kayak for groceries. We're giving them the opportunity to upload their shopping list and let us do all the hard work by searching prices at all the local stores. And we're giving them back savings of 5 to $10 per shopping trip. Is that groceries getting delivered to their house or are you doing delivery or how's that work? One, we're giving them the roadmap to where the prices are the cheapest. Phase two and three, we start opening up delivery options to those subscribers to the platform. Right now, everything is a freemium account, but as we expand into those delivery options, we'll open that up to subscribers. What's the big vision here? How are you going to take over the world? Big vision is that we're going to convert this grocery search engine into a real live marketplace. We're going to invite grocery stores to bid on the shopping list that our shoppers put into the auction. Now, we're not going to hurt their margins because we're going to let them give us categories of items instead of specific brands. And those stores are going to bid back with options that give them a profit as well as help our shoppers save more money. So going back to the original question, guys, does the dark matter in plants matter? Yes, I truly believe that there are real health benefits to different plants and what you eat. I think the hard part is understanding what those actual benefits are and how do you attribute those health benefits to a specific ingredient or plant or pepper, for example. I think that's the hard part. Well, and not just can you attribute it to pepper, but pepper from where and how did you get that pepper? Consistency. I think that's the other big challenge in the space is like, how do we consistently know that the pepper we're eating is going to help us out from a health standpoint? I have a quick question. Aditi, how are you going to take over the world? Oh, with this podcast, of course. <laughs> Full stack food. Perfect. With that, we'll see you guys all next week. See you all next week. 